Hey, what's up, guys? We got nominated for Post Register's Reader's Choice Awards, and we got nominated for Best Local Podcast Slash Blog. Since we're nominated, you know, uh, when I found out, I was extremely grateful. It was just mind-blowing because, you know, I wanted the podcast to, to grow, and it has been growing drastically. So um, thank you for that. You know, since we're nominated, we might as well try to win. I teamed up with a bunch of people. I teamed up with Rip, Fast Creations, Tops, Prepped, Dollar Shave Globe, and La Michoacana. And we're going to do a giveaway. So if you go into over to our Instagram, all you got to do is screenshot that you voted for Mescalo Moguls for the podcast and also vote for Rip Nutrition as well. So you just screenshot those, send it to me, DM, uh, whether it be Facebook, Snapchat, whatever. If you take those pictures and put them on your story and tag us, it'll count as two votes and you can vote every day. This is going to be going until uh, May 22nd. That's when we're going to close it off. And then the next day, I'm going to choose the winners of the prizes. All right. And the prizes are going to be the one prize is going to be a Tops Knives. It's going to be the Tops MSK 2.5, which is like a $100 knife. Another prize is going to be La Michoacana. They're giving a $50 gift card to like La Michoacana, obviously. And then Fast Creations, she's throwing in one custom tumbler. All right. And another prize is from Rip, Rip Nutrition and Prep. You're going to get a $40 gift card to Ripped, and you're going to get two free meals from Prepped. Last but not least, the Mescalo Moguls and Dollar Shave Club. The prize is going to be, you're going to be, this winner is going to be able to choose any of the, whatever they want from the merch, you know, whether it be a hoodie, shirt, hat, whatever, you know, just let me know your size, color, and everything. And you're also going to get a $25 gift card to Dollar Shave Club. Go vote, enter to win, win some free stuff. This episode is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club, and I know, I know another ad, right? But I personally use Dollar Shave Club all the time and have been using them for years. Uh, I remembered I would always buy the disposable razors and I would they wouldn't last. They would cut you. And then when you would get the more expensive ones, they they were just really expensive and you had to keep buying them until I came across Dollar Shave Club. Then, you know, it changed the game forever with razors. And now they offer way more than just razor. They offer skincare products, hair care products, hair stuff, gel, pomade, you name it. They offer a whole variety of different products i mean you don't believe me go give them a try and then you'll love them click the link in each episode and or our bio and you'll love them you're going to be helping the podcast or if you want to help the podcast too if you're if you go over to anchor fm there's a donation button you can sign up donate every month uh thank you guys to the people who have signed up and continue to donate i truly appreciate it so click the link go check out dollar shape club and let's get into your And today, I was excited to do this episode because uh, I'll, I'll let you know a little later why. But Brie was also like, "Hey, like you should bring on Tia. She's she's awesome. She's she's a badass. She's been doing a lot of stuff like salon wise here in Idaho Falls. So uh, so I have Tia. I have a hard time saying the 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 st- your salon name. How do you say it? It's the eclectic chair. Eclectic. I always yep. want to say what, what did I say earlier? Eclectic. People say electric. Or yeah, they something say like that. Electric. Yeah. So, what, how, how do you pronounce it again? Eclectic. Eclectic. Yep. And uh, I mean, since we're bringing up that name, where did that name come from? Um, eclectic means derived of many styles. So, I think in my life and in kind of the style that I wear, mm-hmm. um, my style of design in the salon is really eclectic. It's kind of derived from many styles. I really like. Um, you know, vintage style. I like modern. I like Mm -hmm. a little bit of everything. So I guess, um, I've kind of always been told I have eclectic style and I think that we wanted a little play on words. Um, 
So we named it the Eclectic Chair. And yeah. what was that the from the beginning you had that name? Um yeah, yeah. So we've been open since um 2012 okay. and uh we kind of shopped around a little and you know mm-hmm. and uh chose that name, you know, put up a sign day one. So Okay. Yeah, yeah cuz there's some people who come up with names and you're like I, I can't believe I named something that at the, in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And you then you end up changing it, but yeah, trust me, I've came up with uh some pretty dumb names for some other businesses. Um, yeah, we definitely didn't anticipate. We've had some weird things come up with that. Um, we started in this little plaza that is, it's kind of, <laughs> I don't want to be ageist, but it's kind of like an old people plaza. So <laughs> so it used to be a denture clinic, the original space that we took mm-hmm. over. And then next to us was an old, old, sal- old salon. And then there was a hearing aid clinic on the end. And so when we named it the eclectic chair, people thought we sold electric chairs. <laughs> so they would, you know, we, we have this big window and I'd watch these older people kind of really struggle to get out of their vehicles to come inside to like shop for electric chairs. And, and so that was kind of, you know, there's been funny moments that are kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, you're like, shoot, I didn't really anticipate this. I didn't really think about the consequence of the name. So did, did you have people actually walk on, yeah. walk in and be yeah. like, Hey, like, um, yeah. I'm here for a, an electric chair. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I started kind of meeting them at the door, you know, or like if they were really taking some time to get in, I'm, I would go outside and be like, Hey, are you looking for a salon? Or are you looking for, you know, the denture clinic or whatever. And they would say, Oh yeah. Or I actually wanted to buy an electric chair, you know? And yeah. we're like, Oh shoot. You're like, sorry. <laughs> Not the spot. We're Did you ever get someone who was mad? No, no. People are pretty chill. I, I feel like, um, you know, they're always just kind of thrown off when they come in. They're mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Those are cotton hair in here. So I want, I want people to get to know you. Okay. Uh, are you originally from Idaho? I am. Yeah. My, uh, born and raised in Idaho Falls and then my family is all from Idaho. So mm-hmm. my parents and their families as well. So, yeah. Okay. Born and raised in Idaho Falls. W- yep. Which, uh, schools did you go to? I went to Idaho Falls High mm-hmm. and Taylor View and Longfellow. Okay. Yeah. And did you ever like during, I mean, how were you during middle school and high school? Were you into like, uh, the type of fashion that you're into now or what, um, how were you, yeah. how, how was, what was Tia like in middle school? <laughs> in middle school. Yeah. Um, well, I, I was a pageant queen actually. Oh, so yeah? yeah. So my mom put me in pageants when I was really young. So I was really into like big hair and like lipstick and always had all these glamour shots and stuff done. And so, um, I was definitely like a little princess when I was growing up and then, um, I started dancing and singing. And so that was my talent in mm-hmm. the pageants was singing. And so I danced and sung and was kind of always like in the spotlight and in the limelight and liked fashion and, you know, making sure my hair looked good. And, um, so in middle school, I definitely danced and sang and, mm-hmm. um, was really into fashion, but also was a lot different than I am now. Like definitely more plastic, you know, cosmetic, like (laughs) loving, like really extreme, big crimped curled hair and, Mm -hmm. um, tons of crazy colors and in my hair always when I was younger. So, 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 uh, since you brought up the pageant stuff, how, how was that? You said that was in like elementary? Uh, yeah, I was pretty young when I started that. I was, um, maybe even before I started school. So, um, I, I don't really remember what age I was when I was done with that, but probably before, before middle school. So mm-hmm. but that kind of 
just goes to show my upbringing. Like I was definitely always, you know, wanting my hair done and and having glamour shots and. Yeah. Was it weird with the other kids because you get used to being like that, and then when you go to school now, you you feel like that's almost like normal. You know, growing up, did did the other kids ever like? Why is your hair always like that? Or (laughs) no, no. Because when I showed up to school, sometimes you know, like you really didn't care. Oh yeah. In middle school and elementary. Yeah. Um. I didn't really care what other people thought, or you know, I didn't feel like I got much flack for looking a certain way or dressing a certain way but I definitely started doing hair in middle school like people liked my hair so then Mm -hmm. I would style hair I would curl cut you know color even when I was like 14 I started coloring other people's hair and yeah so I think that I it wasn't intentional to sort of be like a trendsetter or to um I didn't care what people thought about what I liked or what I wore and I didn't seem to get much grief for it. It just kind of was, um, it was noticed though, mm-hmm. you know, like people did ask me to do their hair. Like I had my hair done or yeah, something. Yeah. So yeah. Did, did you ever feel like during, like, that's what you were going to do after high school or, oh, yeah. or, or did you have plans for something different? Yeah. From the time I was really little, I knew I was going to be a hairstylist. I think I always knew, um, I'd never even question it. I think it was, it was kind of like, I was like in my late twenties before I was like, is this what I want to be doing? You know, I've never even thought about doing anything else. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely have always loved, loved it. And just sort of like had this innate knowing that I would do hair. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I'm assuming like right after high school, that's when you, you started going to, you you went to school to become a a licensed cosmetologist or yeah I did um so I actually kind of grew up in a salon my mom it was a licensed cosmetologist as well so I'm sure that's where a lot of the inspiration came from and why I was so obsessed with hair and Mm -hmm. you know my nails and stuff but um she was an international educator for OPI which is a nail company and so she traveled a lot and did that for a long time when we were really young um and then she worked at shares um a salon in town just like a well-renowned salon um well-renowned stylist and so I was kind of always bopping around mm-hmm. the girls doing hair and stuff so um so I as soon as I graduated I graduated when I was 17 I went right to beauty school so I went to the Vogue in town and um gra- like turned 18 in beauty school and then wow. graduated yeah so so did you like say you're going to school right it, yeah how long ago was did you go to did you go to school I don't Oh, so I'm 32 now. So Hey, nothing yeah. wrong with I'm 32 as well. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so I have been, I started school 15 years ago. So okay. I've been um, licensed for 14 years and um, doing hair the whole time. So Do you feel like sco- the, the schooling is different back then compared to what it is now? Because there's a lot of people who go to, to get into this field, whether it be like cosmetologist, barber, um, just anything. Yeah. It, is it different now? Um, I think so. I think the basic model of school, you know, I mean, I can't really speak yeah. a lot on it because I, I'm not, I haven't been around a school for 15 years, you know, but um, I think there is basic guidelines that come from the state as to what you need to know and what you need to learn. And I'm sure that's shifted over the years. Um, that That stuff's kind of voted on, you know, by the board and stuff. So I'm sure they've shifted some of those things. Um, and I'm sure that they've, learned over the years that like certain things don't work you know Mm -hmm. and there's also sort of classic education models that I'm sure they kind of stick with um the cosmetology programs and things for the schools are pretty um like 
when I was in school, they were pretty old. They've been <laughs> using them a long time. So yeah, see, that's that's know? why I ask because, like, say say you have someone who just graduated, right? Yeah, and then they come over to your salon looking to see, like, to to work with you, you know, to work under you or one of your, uh, you know, people that you have employees. Okay, yeah. Um, but they they were like, how did you not know this coming out of the school? You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. They, they run into those problems. Like, you should have been taught this. Do you feel like that was the schooling problem or just the person wasn't paying attention? Um, yeah. I mean, something I say all the time is that they only have one year to teach you a lot, you mm -hmm. know, and especially with cosmetology, uh, you we're licensed to do almost everything that you can do in the salon. So we're licensed to do, you know, some skincare stuff, nails, pedicures, um, color, cutting, um, waxing, you know, there's so many things that they have to teach you in, in the course of 2000 hours. And so that's 40 hours a week for one year. Yeah. So it's like, there's so much to it that I just feel like, I say all the time, people kind of say, you know, what school is the best school? And it's like, you're really going to get out of it what you put into it. And you like, you're still going to go to school when you get out of school. Like yeah. I learn something new every single day oh, yeah. and I've been doing hair for 15 years, you know? And so, um, and so I think there is, there's too much pressure put on the educators, I think in a way, like to produce these amazing stylists or amazing nail techs in such a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And it's like the best way to learn is experience. Like you're going to have to mess up when you get out of the salon. You're going to have to like make yeah. some mistakes. You're going to have to like, you know, take some classes. And so there's, de I've definitely had my, you know, kind of ego moments where I'm like, dang, they should know that, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, I have to really revisit that sort of, you know, ideal, that sort of like idea that it's like, they're, they they're getting... have to learn so much. Like, and so, and then you've got all these humans that are teaching the program. Like, they're humans. They're going to miss things, you know, as educators. And in school, a lot of your training comes from the people that end up sitting in your chair. So it's like, if you only have somebody that comes in with short hair, those are the only people that land on your books for a whole year of cutting hair, then you're probably going to be pretty good at short hair. But then you might only do one or two long haircuts or something. Or, like, you only might do a couple of highlights or something on an actual human versus, yeah. like, a you know, mannequin or something. And so, so much of your training and what you get in school is from the people who sit in your chair. And mm -hmm. that's like kind of true as, as it continues down the road, you know, yeah. as you become a stylist or whatever, it's the same way. So. Yeah. Cause I have uh, one of my good friends, Weech, uh, he works over at graffiti out in uh, Rexburg. He yeah. was telling me that when they, he was going to school, like you had to learn how like the, the biology of like the skin because how yeah. the, the skin is going to react to like when you use a straight razor like you have to cut it a certain way and things like that is yeah. and people don't understand it's not just you go in there and learn how to cut real quick you have to learn a lot more and I'm sure it's the same for cosmetology yeah. like what what are some of the things that people don't understand that you have to go like learn yeah um you have to so we have to learn the anatomy of the the head and hands and feet so um, that's muscles, that's bones, that's, um, nerves, stuff like that in the head and the hands and the feet. So, so that's kind of like something people don't really know that you have to, is it because you learn. can mess up their he head or things like that? Um, I, I don't even, <laughs> it's been so long too, like 15 years. I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't really know. Um, I'm sure with muscles and, and nerves and stuff, I'm sure it comes down to, you know, like we are doing like scalp massaging, you know, when we're shampooing. And so I'm sure you have to understand some of that stuff. And then with skincare, facials, mm -hmm. you know, you probably need to know what muscles you're working on and like how to make sure that you're not 
creating wrinkles in someone's face or, you know, and then same thing with hands and and feet. So, um, so I'm sure that's why it's just kind of to make sure that you understand what's going on underneath the skin that you're working on. So, and you don't mess up their head. Right. And you don't hurt somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, uh, so Brandy, she colors my hair all the time, uh, or not all the time, just recently out of nowhere, I wanted to color my hair. Well, it looks great. Thanks. Uh, It used to be a lot more lavender-ish but the tint kind of like fell out over time yeah but she was explaining to me okay so i hadn't dyed my hair in a long time before i used to dye it all the time with some some lady and to to me that was my first time getting my hair dyed by somebody yeah and it burned so bad like it left me like bad marks and i'm thinking it's normal yeah you know i'm thinking it's normal this is what happens when you dye your hair i don't know and then my face, I'm like cringy. Yeah, yes. <laughs> like, so then, yeah. then I stopped doing that for the longest time. And uh, see, I was dyeing my hair before it was cool. Yeah. And then uh, out of nowhere, Brandy's like, "Hey, like, let's let's color your hair." And I'm like, "Okay, let's do it." So I'm expecting for one, I have like really dark hair. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm gonna sit there forever, right? And because that's how this other lady did it, I would sit there for like five, six, seven hours, trying to get my hair somewhat yellow, whitish, and Brandy was able to do it and I think I only sat there for like three hours. Oh, it yeah. didn't burn at all. Yeah. I didn't even feel like I had like stuff in my head. And and it goes to show you like the difference between somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. Or I mean, they think they know what they're doing, but compared to someone who took the time to go to school and then learn about all these things. And yeah. So that was one thing that I wanted to ask you. What do you what would you tell somebody that's looking to dye their hair and goes straight into box dye? Like people don't realize how bad that is. (laughs) Yeah. See, like just by your facial reaction, you're like, yeah, yeah." I'm like, Ooh, um, I don't know. I try not to be too much of a snob about it, you know? Cause I think like I used to color my own hair. Mm -hmm. I didn't use box color because my mom was licensed, you know, but, um, but I do think there's a reason that people are trained, you know, to do it. It's like, there's a reason that we have training Mm -hmm. for, bleach and for color you know because you can hurt yourself and you can hurt your hair and and so it's something um I really try to discourage it without being shaming you know like I don't want to shame anyone for coloring their own hair but at the same time it's like it makes our job as colorists really hard when we don't really know what is on your hair and where it comes from and um there can be some crazy reactions for your you know if you come in and um, you've been coloring your hair with box dye and, and you want me to do something with your hair, the col- the chemical can react really poorly. You know, like we can, you can have your hair can melt off. Like you can melt get off? <laughs> melt off. Wow. Yeah. Yes. There's some crazy chemicals that are in these products. Um, and like s- box dye and um, product that you can buy from it and not be licensed to buy. They, they have to market and sell to somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, you know. So these chemicals are really harsh because, like, if you're going to look at a picture on a box, buy the product and put it on, it has to kind of work, right? Like, yeah. it has to just, without you knowing anything about color, it's got to kind of just do the thing yeah. um, that it says it's going to do, you know. So yeah. the chemical has to be really harsh to do that. And, um, you know, for you having really dark hair you probably do need a little stronger formula to create a a shift in your color. Um, But somebody like me that's got more blonde or, you know, lighter brown hair, I don't really need that intense, you Mm -hmm. know, formula to get to another color. And so 
if you're just going in and picking a box off the shelf, you know, it's probably going to be formulated for somebody that's not potentially not you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So a professional is able to kind of weigh all those things out. We take in all the things, the history that you've done to your hair, all the things that you've, you use at home, you know, just in home care type stuff, your maintenance level, you know, all the things that you personally do to take care of your own hair. And then what you've had done to it, as far as like in a salon or with box dye, you know, we take all those things in and then we formulate accordingly so that your hair is protected and mm -hmm. that you don't, you know, leave with damage and that your scalp isn't damaged and that you also get, you know, to the goal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, th that was a, like a big thing is, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't do, I'm not a barber. I'm like, I'm not a cosmetologist, but I hang around a lot of people that are, yeah. you know, cause I love that world. I love how they're all like hustlers like yourself. You, yeah. uh, looking to b build your own business and then you, you know, you branch out from there, but do you ever get people who, who come in, messed up their hair completely, like with box dye, and then expect you to fix it and then get mad when you tell them that you can't do it? They have to let it grow out? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely, I've learned a lot, you mm -hmm. know, like over the years I've learned a lot. And so I, I set, my business is set up a lot differently than it used to be, um, where I, if I have a new client, somebody that I've never met before, I've never, you know, seen them in the salon, um, I require consultation first and mm. that's a paid, you know, scheduled appointment. And so they, they book that online, they come in and that's when we meet. And I found that in doing that, it's like, I'm really able to get a grasp for like what, what they've done to their hair, what they're trying to achieve, you know, what their desired level of maintenance is like, how often they like to be in the salon, how well do they take care of their own hair at home, you know? Um, and then we kind of break down like, if this is what you want, this is what it's going to require. Like, this is how many appointments, you know, if somebody has really dark hair and they want to go blonde, it's like, I, I'm kind of, I always say I'm like the dream killer, you mm -hmm. know, I'm kind of like a buzzkill because I'll be <laughs> like, listen, you might never get there. Like you've been box dyeing your hair dark brown for a long time. You might never get to platinum mm -hmm. with this color that's on your hair. And so we have to really like have conversations about compromising on certain things and making sure that like, A, you're happy with the end result, but that we don't push your hair to pass the, the point of integrity, right? Where it breaks off or it melts off like yeah. we were talking about. So that consultation has really eliminated those weird interactions with people because um, I've definitely, you know, in the past I would book a new client and have them send me photos and kind of give me a little breakdown of what they want and like where they're at, what they've done to their hair. And then we come in and we have a quick consultation and we still have to do the service in that same day. And so there's kind of this rush where yeah. you're like, you're kind of like trying to have like put this information, um, to, you know, like practically, give them all the information that they need, but then you also still have to do the appointment. And, and sometimes like people don't want that pressure of like, it's kind of like a, it's interesting. Cause there's a lot of people that hate that I require consultation separate mm -hmm. now. Um, but it takes all that anxiety and that pressure off of the appointment. Like we're just chatting in this appointment. We're just going to break down like kind of what you want. And I'm going to be real with you and I'm going to tell you what it's going to take to get you there, how much money it's going to take, like, and then what that maintenance schedule is going to look like. And at the end of that appointment, they're allowed to decide like, yeah. do I want you to do my hair or do I not? You know? And so in the past when I would just meet with them and we have the service appointment booked and we're consulting, we've never met before. I don't know what their hair is like. And I'm trying to like 
set a realistic expectation for this appointment that we're like about to do, there's a lot of like weirdness, you know, and like sometimes people don't ever come back. You don't get to that goal in the first appointment in those situations They're They feel like you just didn't do a good job for them. And so, um, they don't come back, you know? And so I feel like I've had a lot more client retention, a lot happier clients when I meet with them, we have a conversation and then they might have to wait two more weeks or six more weeks before they actually get their hair done. But all of that, like we go into it with such a plan, you know, where it's like, they know exactly how much it's going to cost. They know exactly what to expect. They know they have a pretty good idea of what their hair is going to look like at the end of that appointment and what it's going to look like six weeks after that appointment. You know what I mean? So I think it's really taken all of the negativity Mm -hmm. out of some of those like tough appointments, you know, because there's, there's more trust and there's more communication with way less anxiety and way less pressure. So, um, I've had those appointments in the past and like, I'm, I'm the type of person where I feel like when there is a negative interaction or when something just doesn't go as well as I want it to, I'm always looking for a way to improve that, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, how do we make this better? How do we avoid this weird situation for the future? And so, um, and so that's why I've, you know, why I've set my business up that way now. So, which is smart because like it'll help you, like if they don't want to do the service, cause right. they're going to see how long it's going to take or how much money it's going to cost and things along those lines. You don't have them booked already to the point where you're like, what if they say no? Right. And then they, yeah. you just booked out that entire time for someone that just canceled. Yeah. Well, and people are too scared to say no. Yeah. You know, I'm already like touching their hair. We're already getting into it and they feel this pressure. Like, well, I've already booked, I'm here. Like, I can't say I don't want you to do my hair, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that it just, um, it just, it, like, there's a lot of weirdness with that. And mm-hmm. like, and so I don't know, things are much more smooth, not doing that anymore, you know? Yeah. Having to do it all, all at once, which yeah. is, which is cool. I like that you do that because, uh, like say, I, some girl goes in there and wants to do a service. You explain to her what it's going to take, yeah. especially if they damage their hair a lot. It's it's a lot yeah. more work for you guys. Uh, and then they could either say yes or no then, and then you can go about your day. Like if she don't want to do it, cool. It's easier to say, cause it's yeah. true. It's so much harder to tell somebody no to their face. Right. Like, yeah. that, that's why some salesmen like that go door to door. It's, they are a lot more successful because um, it's harder to say no. It's just harder right. to say no. It's harder to say no for sure. So yeah. you you graduated from the Vogue, right? Yeah. Did you start your own business right away or did no. you go work somewhere first? Um, yeah. So I actually worked for the Cuttery um, for three and a half years for Carrie Hansen. Um, that was a fantastic place. Everybody, I was 18, like I said, when I graduated. And so um, I was a booth renter there. He was awesome. He helped me a ton and just kind of... Um, he gave me discounted rent for a long time so I could start building up my clientele Mm. and really, um, you know, be able to stock product. And, um, so that was a fantastic place. Everybody was quite a bit older than me. They were already really established and had been doing hair for a long time. And so, um, it was a perfect place for mentorship. Like they were very kind and, um, and open to kind of helping me and answering questions. And so I felt like, I felt like I had a little hair family mm-hmm. there. And, um, and so that like all those people that I worked with there really are, um, special to me, you know, like, I just feel like I really owe them where I'm at now in a lot of ways, especially mm-hmm. Carrie, just helping me out, um, to get going. And I was, I, I've always worked part-time jobs basically, 
um, in the beginning, I always worked like several part-time jobs just to kind of make ends meet and stuff. Yeah. And so in one of my part-time jobs, um, the, I, I worked at another salon for two years, about two years. Um, I worked at metamorphosis and the owner came into one of my jobs that I was working at the time. And, and I knew that she owned the business. She kind of came in sometimes or whatever. And, and so I just, I was, I like knew that I was looking for something with more growth, like, um, where everybody that I was working with currently at the cuttery was so established. I felt like, you know, they kind of were like really content and happy with their businesses and with where they were at. And so I feel like I needed to be around people that were also growing. And so that could kind of push me into, um, into, I don't know, hustling more and like getting more serious about like education and stuff like that. Um, and so I started working there, uh, at metamorphosis. I was there for two years and then I, um, left there kind of unexpectedly quickly (laughs) and opened my own salon. So, um, so that was in 2012 that I opened the eclectic chair. So, and that was because you just didn't feel like you were growing enough or like you wanted Um, to I got fired from oh. that job. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I so, did. I mean, people need to hear this. That yeah, way. Okay. I'm like, I, I mean, it's like everyone has their stories, you know, mm-hmm. and like their tough stuff and like, and that, those, those women that I worked with, they were fantastic. They all were, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. My headset. Um, slipping off. <laughs> um, everybody there was fantastic and really, um, Indy, the owner was an educator for Joy Co. And so, she was big in education, was teaching a lot, and I learned a lot there. Like, I learned a lot of different methods of hair extensions. I learned so much about color, and I learned so much about um, business and hustling. And she, w- like, she was a hustler. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a long time, obviously, since I've been around any of them. But um, she was, you know, booked, like, crazy booked, crazy, you know, hours, just really killing it. And so it was like a cool thing to see, um, and to be a part of, you know, Mm -hmm. I, we all spent a lot of time together and I think that that kind of created some drama that Mm. was like probably just from being together too much, you know, just like we kind of lived a different lifestyle too, like working downtown, we were out a lot. Like, um, you kind of have this little community that all works downtown. And so you end up just kind of being together a lot. And so I don't know exactly, like there was some drama and I'm sure I have, like, I can admit that, you know, I was young and dumb and had a lot of probably, you know, my I, own I think stuff. We all, yeah. Yeah. I have my <laughs> own part in that. I will, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I didn't, but, um, we had some drama. And so I, I like things were starting to get weird and it just kind of was like, oh, I don't know if this is the best place for me anymore. And, um, and she decided, you know, she's like, you can't be here anymore. Like you got to go. So, um, so I, I left and was looking for somewhere to work and was just kind of like, like I was in this job before where everybody was like very, um, like the only thing they talked about was like pie recipes and like, you know, <laughs> their missionaries that were off, you know, serving mm-hmm. a mission or like their, you know, casserole, their like casserole recipes for Thanksgiving. And like, I mean, there was really a lot to these people. I'm not trying to downplay it, but it just was like, it was very like wholesome and lighthearted and um, drama free, you know? And then I go to these, this other salon where there was a lot more, um, everybody had kind of their own stories and their own lifestyle that wasn't really like that, I guess. And yeah. so, 
Um, and so I was kind of, I kind of left like, oh, I don't know if I want to go work in another salon. Like I kind of just want to look at maybe a studio or like, I feel like I just want somewhere to see my clients, you know, like I don't want to be wrapped up in any, like any of the noise that is distracting from what I really want, which was just to, you know, be successful in my, in my job and like have a nice place to see my clients, you know? And so, um, so I was kind of just like looking around and, um, I was with my parents one day, we were going to dinner and we drove past this little plaza and there was a for rent sign in the window. And my mom's like, you should go check that out. And, and I'm like, mom, that is a denture clinic. Like, it's not a salon, <laughs> you know, I can't go there. And she's like, I know, but it's a small little space. Like you should just check it out. And I'm like, I'm not ready to open my own salon. I don't want to do this. You know, I'm not ready. And she's like, come on. So I called, we went over and looked at it. And I just was like, I just knew in that moment, this was perfect. You know, it was right. And, um, so I, so I, um, I remember we, <laughs> I went to look at it with my parents and, Mm -hmm. uh, and as we left and I was like, do you want to go get something to eat and kind of talk about it? And my dad's like, sure. You know, so we, we go over to Chili's and I remember we're sitting like in the bar area at Chili's and I'm, and I'm like, it's perfect. Like I like drew, had like this little napkin, you know, and I'm like drying. I'm like, this could be where the shampoo is, like shampoo bowl is. It's like set up so perfectly. It's like, just need some cosmetic work. And my dad was like, cosmetic work, like that place is rough, you know, (laughs) that's not as rough. Are you going to cut hair in there? Do you really think you can, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it'll be great. Um, so they, so I actually opened the song with my parents. My parent, my mom is my 50% partner. Um, and we gutted, like basically gutted it, you know, pulled all the trim and all the flooring out and stuff and, um, renovated it in, and moved in and, and opened up within five weeks of me getting fired. So okay. it was like fast and furious. And I just was like, I need somewhere to go. So, um, so that's kind of how we kicked off mm-hmm. basically. Do you, do you feel like going back to when she decided to let you go? Right. Yeah. Do you feel like if she would have never say the drama never happened and yeah. then like you guys never had this issue, do you feel like you would still be working with her? Um, I don't know. Or do you like, feel like that, that was the push that you needed in order to, it was the push. Like I, I've since I have a mantra that I say all the time, you know, since that was kind of one of many experiences in my life where it was like, I, I was pushed, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and so now I say leave before there's a fire. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when you know that things aren't like, this isn't the right spot for you, or you know that you need to be pushed into something, you need to grow, like take that leap before bad shit happens right like like take the leap jump you know before before the chaos comes and so um so I don't I mean I don't really know I do believe like everything happens for a reason I'm sure that um like I I really just needed I think I just needed to be pushed for sure Mm -hmm. yeah like I don't know I, I always knew I'd open my own salon my mom kind of and I always talked about that when we were younger. And so I knew it was coming at some point. It just was that I was really putting it off and like scared, mm-hmm. you know? So. Yeah. Cause I, I, I feel like, uh, to the most people that I've talked to that they've had some sort of push like that Yeah. in order to, to get where they're at. Like me, myself, I had a push like that too. Back when I asked an old employer to give me a raise after being with them for 10 years and never asked for a raise, nothing. And they told me, no, like flat out, no, you're yeah. not getting a raise. 
And I was like, okay, cool. And then from then, I was like, I'm changing my situation. Yeah. So then I just started doing different stuff, and it blew up. So, like, I, I, I like that you were able to explain that, you know. Yeah. That way, other people listening, it's, you didn't open your shop, just, just be graduated and like yeah. hey i'm gonna go open a shop real quick yeah it doesn't happen not. like that it doesn't you have to you have to see like something you do have to see is like sometimes what you don't want like sometimes you have to work in these environments where you have good experiences still but maybe there's elements to it where you're like this doesn't mm-hmm. fit you know and so i think you there's so much to learn in like working with other people and working for other people for sure like you're a gonna learn all the best things that they're doing and like how they're how they're successful but you're also going to learn things that don't work for you you know and so um yeah i mean i don't know if that answered your question no, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> no and then also in the beginning people don't understand that you have to build that clientele like, yeah what if you open a business and you don't have a clientele i think that's what a lot of people don't understand especially when they they see people like yourself or other business owners that own a salon yeah. or a barbershop and they think that's easy yeah you know or they got to that point really easy but a lot of people don't see the hours and hours that people like yourself probably waited in the beginning right like to get those um, because i'm pretty sure as soon as you graduated you still you had some clientele i didn't actually oh no you didn't see there you go see and people don't know this yeah i didn't um i mean i'm sure like i had people in school and stuff that i would see but it's like the vogue is an establishment that's been there for a long time so a lot of the clients of the vogue are clients Mm. you know they're not they they might follow you but they're kind of just like that's their spot like these are they know all the instructors they know the people that work there you know and they love that environment and that student environment and so I think that's it's hard to um I mean I don't know how other schools are doing it here how other people are doing it now but when I was in school it was hard to really build a clientele in school and then um yeah I mean I put in my dues like I did hair for free for you know, almost a decade, like the better part of a decade, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you, you put in your dues. Like I would go to my friends and just say like, let me do your hair. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'll just, if you could just pay for product, like I will just do your hair. Like I know that I can do a good job for you. And like, and all I ask is that you tell people that Mm -hmm. I like that I did your hair and some people my way, you know? And so, um, I always worked two and three jobs so that I could, you know, do that. So I could like kind of start, um, start off and like be a booth rental, right. Booth renter right away. Cause that you are independent, like nobody's paying your dues. And then you've got, you've got to provide all your product and you've got to pay your rent, you know? And so, um, and so I had to have other jobs to help pay my rent. Mm -hmm. And there was, yeah, I mean, like, I still remember, and I still think it's crazy. Like so, sometimes I'm like, I can't believe my lifestyle is like funded from doing people's hair. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I'm so blessed and so grateful. Um, but I remember like the day that I was like, I am making money, like cutting people's hair. You know what I mean? Like, holy <laughs> yeah. cow, it's so cool. Um, and so it takes a long time to get there. Like you, you, it takes a long time to get there to like get that consistency of the clients coming in and like, And to be able to know that like your bills will get paid from Mm -hmm. this job. And so I, I worked part-time job the first two years that I opened my business too. Like I still was doing someone else's books. Um, and so, and they knew that I was like, this is my, you know, my jobs always knew like, this is my dream and this is my priority, you know? Um, but I'm happy to like come in and do a good job for you, you know, with boundaries where it's like, 
I'm not coming in on my days off. Like I've got this other thing that I'm doing that I care about, you know? And so I always worked for really amazing people that were flexible in that way. And, um, just kind of took the work I was willing to give, you know, for a while. So, yeah. And I'm glad you explained that because a lot of people that that's what I want to show people is like the, the hard work that you had to put in, yeah. in in the beginning. It wasn't easy. You have to build that clientele in the beginning because, uh, especially in the, the, you know, in the industry that you're in, like the only way you're going to keep making money is if those same people keep coming back, right. you know, that yeah. return customer. Cause, uh, say you have a new, a new customer, right. They get their stuff done and they don't come back. Right. Okay, now you have to like find somebody else and then you have to find somebody else. So you have to have that. Yeah, so you, you have to have you that have retention. To, yeah, for you sure. have to have that good quality work. You know, you can't be uh, half-assing somebody's hair because if you right. half-ass somebody's hair, they're not going to come back to you. Right. And uh, negative news spreads quickly. So if you, if you mess up somebody's hair, guaranteed, I, I forgot how it goes. Like you do something great, they're going to tell like one or two people. Yeah. You do something bad, they're going to tell like 10 to 15 people. Yeah, especially with social media now. You know, oh, people will put you on blast <laughs> Yeah, you like, mess oh, up. She, she messed up my hair. Like yeah. it but it, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a weird. Yeah. You have to, you also have to be willing to, you know, um, like you have to be willing to check yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be willing to be the stylist that is like, you know what? Like, I don't feel like this is quite like my quality of work. Like, let me, can you come back at the end of my day? Can I work on this a little more for you? Or can I, you know, and like when somebody, you have to be that, like, you have to set that relationship where when somebody's not happy, they definitely feel comfortable coming back and telling you. Mm -hmm. And so if you're kind of defensive or, um, combative, when somebody tries to give you criticism, you're gonna have a hard time with that client retention, you know? Yeah. So you kind of have to like, eat crow sometimes or whatever the saying is, you know, where yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, like that wasn't my best work. You're right. Like I was having a bad day or whatever it was like, let me make it right. Like, how can I make it right? You know what I mean? So, um, so your relationships are everything in business and so making sure that with a client based business like this, you really are, you have that loyalty and that retention because you've created a strong relationship with people that you see and that you care about them, mm -hmm. you know, and you care about the fact that they're happy and that they're getting what they need from you. And, um, in doing that, it's also sometimes, you know, in these consultations and things I was talking about that I do, um, there's times when somebody sits down for a consultation and I'm honest with them where I say, you know, I don't think I'm the best fit for you. You know, like I, I'd be happy to see you, but I just feel like you're asking me for something that isn't my specialty. It's not something I do all the time. And so I feel like you could probably get a better job from somebody else, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to that specific service or something. So you also have to be open about that and be honest about it. So have you ever, I'm, I'm pretty sure you have, uh, told people, you know, that you can't work on their hair because they messed it up themselves or somebody else messed it up. Yeah. I, I don't ever, I don't really ever like say, yeah, no, I'm not taking responsibility. You know, I'm not going to help you with that. You just coach I think them. there's, yeah, I think there's always a way to like, um, make somebody feel a little bit better about where they're at. Like if they are coloring their own hair and it's trashed or like, you know, there's crazy co correction work that needs to be done. You know, there's, it's, I usually can provide us like an option for them that works. Like there's multiple options. Sometimes it's like, okay, well I can't afford, you know, this huge color correction. And so then it's like, all right, well maybe let's try this and that will, you know, help for a while. And maybe, you know, like maybe we, that you could save up and, um, and kind of, 
you know, get to your dream hair at another, at another point, you yeah. know, if, if, if we're just not quite ready for that, you know, or you're not ready for that commitment, you know? So I don't feel like there's anyone that sits down where I'm like, eh, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. You know, usually it's just like, okay, this is what I'm seeing. This is what it sounds like you need. Um, you know, here's this option. Here's that option. You know, there's a few, like, you know, according to your lifestyle, your budget or your schedule, like what's going to be practical for you. And a lot of times we can come to some sort of resolution, yeah. you know? So, yeah. So I, I wanted to bring up something because I, I remember this from, oh, I've seen you like before. I, I, I don't remember where it was, but I do remember it was when you had braids. Oh, dreads. Yeah. Or, yeah. Dreads. Yeah. I meant dreads. My That's bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, what made you want to do dreads? Because you, oh. you, you did it early on before yeah. a lot of people now that are doing it. So you were... You did it early. Yeah. I had dreads for almost eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, they've been gone for a year now. Oh, so, wow. yeah. Ooh, the dread vortex. <laughs> you want to jump in? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All, right. All right. Cool. Um, I, uh, the, it's kind of weird. Like, I had short, short hair when I was, um, I always had, like, really, really short, kind of crazy hair little like rocker mullets and like pixie cuts and mohawks and like all sorts of stuff. So I was always into like pretty intense styles. And, um, my old boss at metamorphosis actually used to do my hair and she, she would give me like these super edgy, cool haircuts. And so then, um, when, (laughs) when we had our falling out and I started my salon, I obviously didn't know where to go, like to have my haircut. So I started just kind of growing it. And, um, I sort of came across somebody that had these dread extensions and I saw her and she had them and I saw her again and she didn't. And I'm like, what, what's going on here? (laughs) Like, how do you have dreads one day and not the next? Like, I thought that was like permanent, you know? Mm -hmm. And she was like, Oh, they're just extensions. And so I started doing all this research. Um, and I braided in dread extensions so that I could grow my hair out. Um, I wore those for probably a year, maybe a year and a half. And then my hair was about to my shoulders and I was like, all right, you know, I'm like done with them. I'm just going to rock my hair. And (laughs) I had to like curl it and style it. And I was like, this hair is so lame. Like (laughs) there's nothing going on with it, you know? And so, um, I started dreading my hair then I just kind of like went for it and I just, I, I just like let it go and started dreading it. And, um, then it just like took off around here. I became known as like the dread specialist, like the dread girl, the girl with dreads, you know? And like, so mm-hmm. people, that's all they knew me for. And I was getting like tons and tons of calls, tons of emails, tons of appointment requests for dreads. And, um, and so I kind of went down that road for a little bit and then decided like, Ooh, this is taking over my life. It's not really like what I love to do. I'm a colorist. So like, mm-hmm. I love doing color. That's always been my specialty my jam like things I love so much so um, my goal was always just to be a hair color specialist and so that kind of started taking over my life and um and my family had dread like my sister has dreads my mom had dreads and it was fun like I definitely lived like I'm kind of a hippie at heart like I've always kind of been like a little crunchy on the inside you know what I mean (laughs) so so uh I loved that look and that lifestyle and kind of that boho like um, free spirited mm-hmm. thing, but it also was like a cool hairstyle that required very little daily maintenance. Like I didn't have to get up and like curl it and style it and like, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, I would say that's probably what led me down that path was, was, did, did you ever like, say you decided to do this, right? 
Yeah. What did your family and friends say as soon as they saw you with the <laughs> extensions at first? Oh, the extensions. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> there was so much, so much shit talking. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they were like, what is she up to? What's going on with her? Like, are you and, OK? Yeah. Are you OK? Like, yeah, people definitely thought I was like they, there was so many crazy rumors going around about me. Like she's lost her mind, you know? And, uh, I'm, I'm, my mom told me at one point, she's like, your aunt called me and was like, I can't believe you let her do that. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, she's an adult, you know, I don't, and like, I think it's kind of cool. And so my mom's like, I'm going to get him too. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so it was funny. My dad, my dad has always been like, oh goodness. He'd like tell my mom, like, did you see your daughter's hair? Cause I would have, have like a hot red mohawk or like <laughs> shaved half my head, you know, or like bleach blonde crazy mullet you know Mm -hmm. and um and so my dad would always kind of just be like oh goodness here she goes (laughs) you know here she goes again Mm -hmm. so did you ever like having these you you know you you have dreads now did you ever get people like a backlash from that because some people will say that's I hate it when people say it's like cultural appropriation yeah did you ever get a backlash from that I did yeah oh wow you did yeah I did I've had some crazy um, I've had some crazy experiences. I was, I was traveling for a long time. Um, for like four or five years, I was just kind of always gone, like taking trips all over the place. And, um, and I had a lot, like most of the interactions I had were good. You know, people were always really like complimenting of my hair and stuff. Um, and then I was in California, um, one year and I, like I had some scary situations. There. Oh wow! Yeah, definitely. Um, and I was kind of like I did comb them out because of cultural appropriation. Like I definitely, um, I definitely had a scary enough experience that it like kind of made me stay home for a while. Like I didn't want to travel. And the next time I found myself in California, um, I was like scared again. Like I started having almost like PTSD. You mm-hmm. know, where I'm like, I, I definitely. Um, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't have dreads anymore. Um, and so I combed them out like definitely because that was a huge part of why mm-hmm. there's lots of reasons, but that was definitely yeah. one of them. So, so was it somebody that was trying to fight you over? Yeah. Them? Yeah. Um, so the guy that I was dating at the time, um, he had dreads too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had been, we met up in California and we were traveling and we were on this bus and this guy was sitting across from us and he just kept like, he just kept like looking at us. And when I'd make, he was just staring mm-hmm. when I would make eye contact, he would just like shake his head and just like be rolling his eyes. He was so disgusted with us. And I just kind of thought like, maybe he thought we were like dirty hippies. Maybe he thought, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know what was going through his head. Um, and then I was walking one day, um, like a few days later, I was in San Diego and I was walking down the street in the gas lamp district. And these, this group of guys like crossed the street and chased me. Like they were yelling profanities. Like they were, they were like really upset that I had dreads and that they were going to come teach me a lesson. Like, yeah. So, and I just like, I ended up okay. You know what I mean? But it definitely was a situation where I was like, wow, you know, if, if my hairstyle is causing people to feel that much hate, like I, I don't like, I don't need to have dreads. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if my safety is, is compromised when I'm traveling, doing something I love to do and it scares me to, to like leave home because of my hairstyle, like I need to check myself. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm done. You know what I mean? So 
Um, so yeah, I definitely, it kind of like traumatized me in the moment. I was like, whoa, that was a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I got home and it had been a couple of years. I went back to, I was in LA and I just found myself really uncomfortable again. Like just being uncomfortable that like some, I was going to have another incident like that, or I was going to really offend somebody or like upset somebody. And so I just, um, I decided on that trip, I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm definitely done. Like, these are feelings I just don't want to have, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, especially, like, you're you're just hanging out. You're you're not doing anything to anybody. Right. You know, and then some, you know, you have these interactions with people who don't like you just based off your hair. Right. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure that was pretty frightening enough. Um, Was, so you said you're boyfriend at the time also yeah. had dreads mm-hmm. was he was he african-american was no. he white yeah he was white so they did they give both of you guys like um, they- no so he wasn't with me he was um i think i had I'm, I'm kind of a brat and i'll be like i need to go get a coffee which means like <laughs> i need you to leave me alone <laughs> and so i think i was like on my little like alone time you know and so mm-hmm. i was like i'm gonna go get a coffee and so i was walking down the street and like he was at our hotel and so um yeah he didn't have that interaction I was alone so that was like also why it was kind of scary you know Mm -hmm. um but I don't think he ever had a bad interaction like the crazy thing is I I've been a lot of places and everywhere I've been like people are very sweet and complimenting and like it's like a conversation starter you know Mm -hmm. California was the only place I've ever been where people were like extremely hostile about it so and and you would feel like it would be a lot more open because there's way more like there's a lot more culture diversity there you know you you would feel like it's a little bit more normal you know it's weird that you actually in California is where you had these interactions so yeah that's what made that was one of the big parts that made you stop doing the there dreads. Was, yeah, I mean that was like the cat. That was the catalyst for sure. Um, I had some like I was kind of I was I was struggling with them. Like, what about here? Like, yeah, with so your business here, people like I definitely feel like it gave me it kind of gave me an image. You know what I mean? Like, I was very recognizable and like it 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 built my business up in a lot of ways because it was like I did stand out. You know, people were talking about like I was the girl with dreads, like. Mm-hmm. you know, she owns that song. That's what she does. She does stretch. So it was like very talked about and it definitely helped me grow my business in some ways. Um, but <laughs> I, it became like the only thing I talked about, mm-hmm. you know? So there was like, there was like five years of my life where it was like, that was it. Like I would be at the grocery store the first few years. Like, um, I remember like I had dread extensions And I was standing in line at the grocery store and I started to walk forward and my hair was like caught. And so I turned and somebody was just like holding it, like touching it in line behind me, you know, and I'm like, uh, okay, you know? And so, yeah. So there was like times I'd be like standing at the store, like reading labels and like somebody would just walk up and touch my hair. Um, and then like we'd go to a concert, you know, where people are probably drinking and so then they're even a little more like touchy and Mm so um it became like I became kind of known for like being hostile about that because it was like an invasion of my privacy and like my personal bubble you know Mm -hmm. um people strangers just like not even saying hi just walking up and grabbing your hair and grab like it's a very aggressive and like 
weird thing, you know? Yeah. It's like lots of touching from strangers, tons of like hair petting, tons of hair touching, tons of um, touching my face, touching just my person because it's like they can't even like think that like, like they don't even associate that I'm a human and that mm-hmm. that's like not really okay, you know? Yeah. Um, and so tons of that, which was really hard for me. I definitely would kind of prepare um, going out. Like if I was going to go to a concert, I would wear my hair a certain way so that people couldn't just come up and grab it or touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and people would ask like, can I touch your hair? You know? And I'd say, no, thank you. And people would kind of look at me like, what is wrong with you? You know, but it's like, I'm just getting touched all the time by strangers and it's kind of weird and like, it makes me uncomfortable and I'm a little bit of an introverted person and I'm a little socially anxious too. So then I'm like, this is, this is a hard situation to navigate, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so there was some of that and I like just learned how to cope with it kind of, but there was a lot of like, that was all my life was about was like dreads. Like somebody calls me for the phone rings at the salon. It's like, Hey, I want to talk to somebody about dreads. Like, Hey, you know? And like, and so I, I like started blogging about it so that people, like people would call me, they would see somebody on the street, you know, like see somebody with dreads. And the first person that they call is like me, you know? Mm -hmm. And they're like, Hey, I have some questions. They've never looked on the internet. They've never like YouTube dreads. They've never, they know nothing, you know? And they just want to sit on the phone with me for like an hour and like pick my brain about it, you know? And I'm like, listen, I got to, like, I've got clients that I got to see, like I've got Mm -hmm. stuff I've got to do. Like I can't just be the Wikipedia for dreadlocks, you know? So, um, so that became a little frustrating, but again, like I told you, I'm kind of a solution oriented person. So I'm like, how do I remedy this? So I created a whole blog platform that was just about dread information. And when somebody would call and ask a question, I'm like, here's the link. Like you need to go there first, read about it. Um, if you still feel like that's something that you're interested in, then you can book a consultation. We can come in and talk about it. Um, there was a point where I calculated I was spending about 18 hours a week on dread, like dread consultations, dread questions, text messages, emails, um, and was making very little money doing it. Like it was like, I would talk to a hundred people and see two people that would actually come Mm. in for a dread service. And so it just kind of started taking over my life. And I was like, I'm, this is not profitable, Mm -hmm. like, which that's not what life is all about, but it's like spending so much time and energy, you know, doing this. And it's like not really rewarding me. And then it's like, I go out with my family. I'm sitting at dinner. I have this specific memory of like sitting at a dinner table with my whole family. We're like celebrating one of our birthdays or something. And somebody was standing behind me, just petting my hair, asking me questions, you know, like, and I've got like my food in front of me and I'm kind of just like looking over my shoulder, answering them. But I'm like, all right, this is weird. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to enjoy dinner with my family. Like, here's my card. Like, and I'm trying to just navigate these situations as tactfully as possible but it definitely was hard like there was weird weird things like that that happened all the time like weekly you know what I mean so it was kind of like just started to get old um and so then the you know the bad experience in California was kind of like another another Mm -hmm. catalyst kind of that was like all right I I can't do this um I was actually in Jackson one day with a friend with a couple of friends for a birthday we were um, we were all meeting up with some, this group of friends to like go to this concert in Jackson. And some of us didn't know each other. This girl was like, Hey, so tell me about your dreads. And I was like, I was truly in a bad place with them, you know, like with the questions and the constant dread mm-hmm. talk. And so I, I like took a breath, but I was like, you know, 
thanks for asking, but I would just appreciate if we didn't talk about my dreads this weekend. Like, I'm happy to answer some questions, but like, not right now, you yeah. know? And my friend, my good friend was like, she was like blown away. She's <laughs> like, Tia, that was so rude. You can't say that. And I'm like, considering where I'm at with it, that was the nicest thing I could respond. Like, I was just so, it was causing me to be like really even more introverted and like kind of, I don't know, like upset about it. You know, it was mm-hmm. almost like, don't, I would almost like find myself running the opposite direction when I'd hear somebody say like, I like your dreads. I'm like, ah, I got to get out of here before they come touch me or like try <laughs> to talk to me about it. So, um, and so I talked with her, that friend, you know, and I'm like, I think I can't do this anymore. And she's like, it's kind of like, you're not this person. Mm-hmm. Like you're a person that is really social and like, like you're introverted, but you like to get to know people and yeah. you like to talk to people and like, and if it's making you have these bad interaction, your interactions, like it's a hairstyle, let it go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, you're so right. It's yeah. time. So, yeah. No, it, it's crazy that you bring up those, uh, like I get annoyed when somebody's standing too close to me. Oh yeah. So imagine like somebody just coming up. I would freak out if somebody yeah, came up to you. me and just started touching my hair. I'd be like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, like usually if someone stands too, if I can feel you breathing on me. Yeah. I don't mean to be rude, but I turn around on my head like, can you like step back a little bit? And like, I don't yeah. want to feel you breathing. Like your face is like literally right here. Yeah. Like, why are you so close? I know. It, I have the same problem. It's so weird. I like, struggle with that too. So like, we'll go back to your business a little bit. Um, you said there was different sections where at the little plaza. Oh, you're at, yeah, right? yeah. So did you, when you first went there, did you take up the whole plaza or yeah, nope. I th- I think you you had one section and then you slowly started yeah uh, branching out yeah we've been through a lot over there um, so my, my mom and I opened that little studio space in the beginning it's about 500 square feet um, we renovated it and then about four or five months later the the middle space became available it was a salon and the owner of the building owned the salon but he didn't do hair he like he's like these girls convinced me to open a salon so I've got one. And, uh, and the girls never were there, like never really worked and like, and he just, so it just kind of sat there empty. And eventually I think he just was like, all right, you know, we got to get rid of this. So, um, so we expanded into that space. Um, and then we were there for, um, until June of 2019, we had our, our hearing aid guy on the end was still there for a long time. And then, um, in June we like showed up to work and he was moving out. Um, and so I was like, Hey, what are you doing with that space? What's going on with the building? And our landlord was like, you know, um, if you want it, it's yours. And so, um, so we kind of ended up renovating the whole building starting in June. Um, we wrapped that up in January of 2020. It took a long time. So, um, it all needed update. It was all in kind of the same condition that the other spot was originally. So yeah. So we spent a long time, like, um, taking everything out and, you know, fixing it up kind of bringing it to our standards so so you said you finished that last year right in 2020 so how was how was that i know in january uh i i work over at tops too like we do the media over there we travel a lot and we did one show right we did one show we came back and we had plans to do i can't remember it's like 10 or 15 other shows around like the u.s and then going overseas to do some shows but who doesn't know about COVID, you know, that COVID hit us like in, it started hitting us early, but then when they started shutting everything down in March, like how was that? Like knowing that you had to shut down your your business, like it was kind of crazy. Like we definitely, um, the timing of things was kind of crazy. So, um, we, 
started because my at the time my mom and I um obviously opened it like I said and then my sister is an esthetician and so she started working for us um a few years after that and then we had some booth renters and then we kind of like cleared people out I was traveling I was gone all the time so I just kind of would like come in do my clients lock the door and take off for like a month you know and come Mm -hmm. back and um so it was just the three of us for a really long time we had a few people sprinkled in there you know but um over the years but um when we took over so when let's see um, like maybe a year before that, I was like, all right, like, I think I was turning 30 and I was like, I need to get my life together. I need to get established. (laughs) I need to like create a retirement plan, like build a more sustainable business. I can't, I only make money when I'm home working, you know, and like I pay for all like this whole place kind of when I'm gone. And so, um, so we, when we took over the building in June, um, of 2019, we kind of started renovating, not only like the, the structure of the business, but the business model too. And at that time we kind of like, as we were getting closer to the end of the year and starting 2020, um, we kind of all decided collectively that like it was in the best interest of the business and in our our kind of family dynamic to have one leader. So then at the end of 2019, like I decided to kind of step up and, and take the lead in the salon and, and, um, my mom and sister decided to become contractors. And then, um, my plan was always to kind of like disrupt the whole salon industry and like create a new paradigm for, for doing business. And I hired, um, destroy the hairdresser, which is a coaching program. I hired, um, Sid Charisse, who's a coach. She's a co-founder of that company. Um, I hired her in December of 2019 we wrapped up renovation in 2020. That's kind of when all the paperwork went through to, for me to be the sole owner. Um, I, we had this huge party on January 31st, just kind of like telling our client, like for our clients and stuff, just kind of celebrating, like, thanks for getting through this with us. Mm -hmm. Like six months of like renovation was hard. And like, we've been exhausted and like, we were working around the clock to like, you know, expand the space. And, you know, so we have this huge party on the 31st at the time I was also looking for a house to buy. So the very next day I go and look at this house, um, put in an offer, close on it, March 6th. Um, we shut down, what was it? March 21st or something. So it's like, I've like cleared out all my savings. I've like paid cash for the whole renovation, like upgraded all the equipment in the salon, like and then I like clear out the rest of my savings account, put a down payment on a house, like close on this house. And then, you know, two and a half, three weeks later, we shut down and I'm like, and I remember being on the phone with my friend and she's like, this is serious, dude. Like, this is crazy. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be all right. Yeah. It's going to be fine. <laughs> and she's like, do you even understand what is about to happen? And I'm like, oh, no, I understand. I'm just trying to like, trying to breathe through it. <laughs> it's like, like, I'm not trying to freak yeah, out. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, if anyone should be worried, I know it should be me, but I'm just going to maintain this, like, you know, this feeling of like, this is going to be okay. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to be okay. And so... Um, it was kind of crazy. Like we definitely, it was weird the day that they decided to shut down. I, I like went into work and I told my sister, I was like, this is the last day we're going to work. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, it's the last day. I think I'm going to work. Like, I do feel like we probably need to shut down for a little bit, you know? And like, I do think it's coming. They're going to tell us we can't, 
work anymore. Like the state's mm-hmm. going to tell us we have to shut down. And she's like, no, no. And then like two o'clock that day, they're like, Hey, salons, you know, shelter in place. Everybody's shut, you know? And she's like, you crazy psychic. Like, how did you, <laughs> how did you know? I'm like, I don't know. I just had a feeling and I was preparing, you yeah. know, or like trying to prepare. So, um, so it was like, it was definitely hard. We were shut for eight weeks. Um, I definitely, like I said, cleared out my savings. So there was times I was like, yikes, this is bad, you know? <laughs> like how long is this going to go Yeah, for? like how long are we going to be shut down? So um, so we got through it though, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we had definitely our best year ever, 2020. I feel like our clients and our community is so strong and like people really try to shop local and they try to support each other. And so I, this this was the year I was very grateful to be in Idaho, you know, and just oh, yeah. to like be with my people and my community and like have people really show up for us. And so they did, you know, and so we had a really good bit year for business. Um, we kind of stepped into this like new way of doing business, this new like leadership plan, this new salon sort of paradigm. And um, and it's been really good, but it, I'm not going to say I didn't, you know, freak out. A freak little bit. out. Yeah, I had some freak out. At what point? Because. Everyone has their own take on um, how bad COVID is, right? Yeah. But how, when did you, when did it sink into you that how the seriousness of the situation, like, because I remember to me when it hit me is when they shut everything down, right? Because we were here in Idaho, we were like one of the last to get yeah. a, a positive case. To me where it hit me, I was making a video for one of my classes and like I was just driving down 17th street. There was no cars. Yeah. It's like noon. I'm like, there's no cars. This is weird. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to go to the, to, to the park real quick and get some B roll footage. And I go to the park and everything is like wrapped up with the caution tape. Yeah. Like, this is so weird. Yeah. Like where are the, like the kids, where's like people playing? It, it, it was just really, there was nobody out there. Right. I was like the only people were probably watching me. Like that guy's not quarantining right there. Like, yeah, like what is he up to? Yeah, <laughs> someone come get this guy. Yeah. That's when it hit me. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Cause I literally felt like I was looking at scenes of a movie. Right. Yeah. Like, it was w- like a movie. When did it hit you? I think I realized the seriousness of it when like, I'm not a sports person. I don't watch sports. I don't follow it at all. I know nothing, <laughs> nothing about sports. Um, but I think when they're like, Oh yeah, they've canceled, you know, like, like all the sports just shut down. Yeah, like I think the no NBA sports. was the first. Yeah, and I, I, I think in that moment it was, it was supposed to be like March Madness, I think, mm-hmm. or something. Again, like again, I don't really know what I'm talking <laughs> about, but I feel like there was like a big, you know, a big sport event that was supposed to be happening that they canceled. And I think in that moment I was like, oh shoot, this is, this is serious. Luckily enough, I've never gotten it. Yeah. Um, same. Well, I think I've never gotten it. Yeah. Some people same. were like, oh, you, you probably didn't feel none of the symptoms. I'm like, whoa. As of right now, I've never felt like I've been sick that way. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Yeah, and I'm glad you were able to, because not a lot of businesses were able to survive through it during that time. Yeah. And it's true that a lot of people in our community helped each other. Yeah. I remember, like, there were some people that I know that would go and buy some people's curbside, even when they didn't need to, just yeah. just to help out because they were struggling you know, food wise or w- whatever it may be, you know, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys had your like help. Yeah. We had, we had clients who would still buy product from us. Yeah, and that- so I would just, you know, they would, they would text me and I would just like drop it off on their doorstep, you know, and like do, deli- it, like gave me something to do in the day too. So <laughs> I'm like, I got deliveries today. Um, so that was really cool. And then some, like I had some clients who actually like 
on their expected appointment, the day that they would have had an appointment, they still like Venmoed me for the appointment, even though they didn't Mm -hmm. come, you know, and they just kind of were like, I would have paid you for a haircut today, you know, so like, here's, I'm still working. I'm still, you know, I still want to support you. And so, um, that was really cool. I think people really stepped up. Um, I was prepared in different ways too. Like I broke my arm a few years ago and I couldn't work for eight weeks. And so I think like that lesson taught me like, you really like when you work with your body, when you have to be in, in physical, a certain physical condition to, to show up and do your job. Um, you don't know what could happen. Like, you know, you could slip on the ice and like be out of work. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, um, yeah, so I broke my arm and was out for eight weeks and that was in like 2015. So I think I kind of, after that, I learned like, it's good to have, um, three or four months of savings of bills and like be prepared in some ways, you know? So which is smart because not a lot of people do that. I remember we never shut down at Tops or I never shut down here, luckily enough. like I, So I never felt that, yeah. that where people were struggling. But I was doing my part in helping people. Yeah. Where do you see your business going now? Like, I know you guys opened up. Uh, when did you guys open up again? So we opened in 2012. And then our... No, uh, after COVID. Oh, after COVID. So that was um, like May. That was like mid-May. So after they said they... Yeah, well, they, a lot of businesses started opening again. Yeah, we waited until the state said we could return to work. Um, I just kind of believe in like karma, and I don't know. I just kind of was like, I'm gonna do what I'm told. Was um, it weird doing your the, the precautions they made you do? Because I'm pretty sure they made you wear the mask, gloves. I don't yeah. know what else they made you guys do. Yeah, I mean, we like truthfully, we keep a pretty hefty level of sanitation always in the salon we've always like we've always always wiped everything down between every client you know you wash everything between every client um and so we've kind of always done that we just kind of stepped up some of our um sanitation for like the door handles and the register and stuff like that I would say that probably didn't get wiped down between every single client so that was like something that we did you know just touch points the light fix like the light switches and stuff just making sure that those were like, re- we really paid attention to anywhere somebody might touch, mm-hmm. um, sanitizing that a little more heavily, asking people not to touch product, you know, if, like re- on the retail shelves, just kind of asking people to like, you know, um, touch as little as they can yeah. <laughs> and then wearing masks. So we're still wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been wearing masks since we returned to work. That's something that, um, and we, we require our clients to wear masks too. So, um, so we've been like that's been weird. It's kind of crazy. There's people that I've I've had new clients in the last year, so I've never seen their face. You know oh, what dang. I mean? So yeah. so that's kind of that. yeah, that's kind of weird and um I do think like the salon is a place for connection and so I that part is hard. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to not be able to connect with people on a on more of a soulful level, like seeing their whole face, seeing their expression and um and so that's been tough, but I just like every time I have those moments of just like saying, this is hard. This is tough. I just think like, I'm just grateful to be at work, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm grateful that these people are happy to comply and wear masks and like, um, keep seeing me consistently and keep supporting my business. And so, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was, it's weird. Like there's definitely been things where it's like, what do we do? You know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think mass is the easiest way. Like if, if that's what we have to do to stay open and like keep working, keep people as healthy as possible, then that's what we'll do, mm-hmm. you know? So. And did you ever get a backlash from some people saying, Oh yeah. Like, I don't want to wear a mask. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had some conversations for sure. But you make that. them, anyone that comes into your shop has to, 
and it, it comes yeah. down to the business owner right. you know like if you don't if you want people to wear masks just for other people's safety then yeah. then cool yeah I, I remember there was an issue i went to texas not too long ago and there's a guy on there like when you fly any airline they Fire all signs. require yeah. to wear a mask and as soon as we took off this guy he took it off and he was just like that the flight attendant was like hey like you need to put your mask on and he started hitting him with the I'm an American citizen, like this is and that. And I'm like, why didn't, why weren't you like this before we took off? Yeah. That way we didn't, cause he was like literally not that far from me. And I was having to sit there and listen to this whole thing, no oh, matter what yeah. you could do. Cause they had like the flight attendants trying to get him to put his mask on. And then after we landed, that's when he turned into a whole different person. He had his mask on and cause yeah. they had the, the, the police there and all sorts of stuff. And I guess if you don't wear your mask or if you give him a hard time, you get put on the do not fly list. Right. It's not worth it. I don't think like, yeah, I'm like, I hate driving. Well, yeah. Th that's just me. I hate driving lo long distances. So I, I need to fly. I love to travel way too much to like risk that. Yeah. See, I like yeah. to go like, if I have to go somewhere, the furthest I'll drive is to Boise or to Salt Lake yeah. to, to get a flight to go somewhere else. Cause right. anything other than that is too far. Yeah. So what are your future goals for your business? Cause I know you said that you want to disrupt some stuff yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah um so we we've had booth rental and that's where i started was i was a booth renter um so we've had people renting booths and that's that's a great culture and it's worked for a lot of a long time um something that i didn't love about it was in my own personal experience it's it's sometimes hard to get support like when i was booth renting um there's not that standard, like everybody's kind of doing their own thing, you mm. know? And so I always kind of relate that environment to like the mall. It's like the mall is a salon and everybody that works in the salon is like a store in the mall, mm. right? They all have their own business, their own sort of, um, like they they have their own schedule, their own payment processing, their own retail, their own, um, kind of way of doing things. And, and that's great, but it's like when you, like I want a team yeah. even, you know, even as a sole leader, um, or business owner, like I always say, we, you mm -hmm. know, like we're doing this, we want this. Cause it's like, I want people around me that share that vision and that want, you know, want the same things, which is like community and collaboration. And so, um, so we have moved from having booth runners to then, you know, just being the three of us, basically just splitting the bills and kind of like doing our own thing still, um, to now we, we are commission salon. So we do have like W2 employees. We've got people that are hired where I, you know, I pay their taxes. I take care of, um, all of that sort of thing. They just show up and do what they want to do. Like mm -hmm. they just do see the clients that they want to see. They control their own schedule. So there's still the freedom and kind of the culture of booth rent where like you really like, this is still your clientele and I want you to be happy and see the types of clients that you want to see. Um, but we are working together as a community to like, to create the culture and the environment that we want so that when you come in, anybody that you see in the salon, like anybody that you like, we're all kind of operating the same way. We all have the same policies, the same standards for our business. And, um, and then we also do a commission contribution, which is a 1099 position. You can be self-employed basically and contracted, and then you just pay a percentage of your sales. Mm -hmm. So the reason that we do that instead of renting a booth, like where you just have this like 10 by 10, this is yours. Nobody uses it. Nobody touches it, you know, yeah. um, is that like that those spaces sit empty, you know, half of the week and, um, and there's a cap on the success of the salon. And so like what I found in salons and like, as, and being a booth rental 
um, salon is that anytime we need an upgrade, it, it had to come out of my pocket. You know, um, the booth renters are pay paying a set, a set price every single month on the first of the month. And those fees go towards the rent of the building, the utilities, the garbage liners, the cleaning supplies, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't go towards like marketing and, um, new signage or upgrading equipment. And so when we went to build out the website, like we had, um, social hustle do a, a new website mm -hmm. design for us and they've done a ton of marketing for us and stuff. Like those projects come out of my pocket, you mm -hmm. know, when I'm the booth rental salon owner and in a commission contribution situation, there's more budget for that because it's like, everybody's contributing a percentage of their cells. We're all sharing the spaces. And so, um, it kind of creates this unlimited growth potential where we can like the salon itself can make an unlimited amount of money, which helps support the stylists and the contractors and the estheticians and stuff that work inside of it. Mm. So I have a marketing budget, you know, we're able to like upgrade some, like we want new chairs, new hydraulic chairs that's upgraded. We want to go to a class. Like I can pay for that. Mm -hmm. The salon can pay for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so there's not really this like cap or this limit where booth rental is that way, you mm -hmm. know? And so that was something I always struggled with was like the lack of community, the lack of like one purpose that everyone's working towards, but also the cap on your success. It's like, um, like, where do we go from here? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm always like trying to bust through the, the, the glass ceiling. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm like, we, there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be a way for everybody to benefit, you know? And, um, and so in the, to the new structure that we have, like it's set up so that like we want to be able to provide benefits. We're not quite like there's a dollar amount that we have to hit as a salon um, every year to be able to provide benefits to our clients or sorry, to our staff. So <laughs> um, like health benefits is a huge um, priority to me. And so it's like as we build our team, we'll be able to at some point, you know, provide retirement, pr provide health benefits, have 401k programs and stuff for our stylists. That is unheard of yeah, in really salons. Is. You know what I mean? So um, so that's really my goal. And then we also have apprenticeship programs and things. So like um, if I have like my sister is an esthetician. She's, she's got a fantastic clientele. She's, she's so good at what she does. And, um, she, I can bring somebody in and apprentice under her and, and that will, we have set up a system so that whatever that apprentice brings in and as they build their business, some of their cells go to my sister who's trained them. And then that creates retirement for her. Mm -hmm. And then that apprentice will have the same opportunity when they get to the same place that she's at. And so, so it's like, we're all kind of pouring into each other and, and we all benefit, you know, long-term over, yeah. you know, from doing that. And so, um, so that's really been the goal is to like create as a stylist myself being 32, mm -hmm. I'm single, you know, I don't like, I don't have a man that, works at the site or something that like has great health benefits and like, you know, has a 401k. So I have to figure it out myself. Yeah. And, and I've definitely like the only way to make more money is to be behind the chair more. Mm -hmm. And like, that's all, that's the way that it works in the hair industry. That's the way that it works with the salons and spas and stuff. And so it's like, how do I've always been, and I hired my coach, you know, back a year, almost a year and a half ago, um, to help me kind of figure out those plans. Like how do we create a sustainable business for these people? Because we work with our bodies, our bodies will burn out. Mm -hmm. Like you can't do this for 40, 60 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I started when I was 18. So it's like pretty easy for me to do hair for almost 60 years, like to work that long. So it's like, I have to figure out a way 
um, to create a sustainable business that that creates retirement Mm -hmm. and that there's opportunity where the more that you pour into each other, the, the more you benefit from that. And so just trying to create more collaboration and, you know, um, more sustainability. That's been like one of the words every year that I've been using is sustainability, mm-hmm. you know? So, and, and that's cool that you do that because if you, when you try to help your, you know, the other stylists and everyone who works around you, when you care about them a lot, cause yeah. there's some business owners who don't care as much. They care about the profit, you know, yeah. the profit, profit, their employees, not so much. And then, but once you take care of your, you know, your employees, your business is like stronger and it can grow. It, there's no limit. Right. You know, right. when, when you try to help all your, your, your employees, because they'll still, they'll stay loyal. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be trying to steal from you or do all these other things because they'll say, well, like if I do that and then I get fired from here, now I have to go work over here where yeah. it's the way that we don't like. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's really cool that you, that you do that with your employees. Yeah. It, is there ever going to be a time where you're going to step back? Yeah. Cause like you said, you can't <laughs> like, color yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're definitely like this new sort of way of doing business and this new, um, you know, business model is per- it's like, it is new. It's like, we've only been, this has only been really tuned and dialed in, you know, since we got back from quarantine. And so it's like, okay, I've got these structures in place. Like, I feel like, I feel like I know what I want this to look like. And now it's about finding the right people and people around here, you know, salons are really about booth rental. And so when they hear, you know, that we're a commission contribution, they're kind of like, what, (laughs) what is that? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I'll, you know, I'll hire you, I'll pay your taxes, you know, and then you just show up and do what you want. Like I take care of everything. You just show up and do hair. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can run your own, your own schedule, you know, work when you want to work. I don't care. But, um, Uh, So people are really caught off by that. So it's definitely, we're definitely in a phase where we're growing. We're still trying to build our team and we're still trying to bring people in and kind of share, share what we're trying to do and trying to get people in that are, that see that vision and want that too. Um, But I do like, as I hire staff, I definitely cut back. Like I used to work six, seven days a week, you know, behind the chair. And now I work four days a week behind the chair. Um, I'm sure in the next year or two, it'll be three, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like the more people that you have to run and the more that you operate, like there are times as a business owner, as a salon owner, where you do have to like step back and you have to run the business. Cause it's like, you know, I see clients four days a week, but I, I do all my admin stuff like every Monday, Mondays are like, you know, still work days, but I'm just not with clients that day. Um, so, and then it's every morning before I see my clients, I'm doing a bunch of work. And so I know as we grow our team, like I'll have to, I'll have to like cut back on how many hours I'm actually standing behind the chair. Um, I still love what I do, like, but I'm, I'm finding a new love for like pouring into other people and like helping other people get, you know, Mm -hmm. to where they want to go. And so that's really, I'm focused on my clients and my business. And I still like, I love my clients. I love to like, there's so many people I see that I just, I love everyone I see. Um, I love that time that I get to have with them. And I'm also like finding that I really love teaching and sharing too. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure there will be a point. I have to be careful about saying that, you know, in public because I I don't want my clients to panic. Like, like, what do you mean? You're not going to do hair one day. Like, don't worry. I'm not going to leave anyone hanging. There you you go. It's because I know we touched on it before we even went live on the podcast is that when you're the business owner, it never stops. Like right. people will show up and do their hours. Like say they work a nine to five somewhere. 
they show up, do the nine to five. They can go home and spend time with their family, hang out, right. not stress about what they're doing at work. Right. Yeah. But a business owner, you're thinking about it every day, every day, all every day, hour. every yeah. hour. Like, oh, I got to do this. I got to make sure I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do that. It never ends. It, right. it doesn't stop. So that, that's why I asked, like, are you going to step back? Because it's, it's going to be. The the rate you guys are going, you know, because you guys are doing amazing. I I I was going through your Instagram. Your oh, shop looks you. amazing. Yeah, uh, those pictures are a social hustle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dallin. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Dallin. He Christian, was a, Christian and Dallin. Yeah, they're fantastic. They I'm, came over. And I'm gonna put Dallin on the spot. He was supposed to work out with me this morning, and he ended up <gasps> he, not going. What? But, yeah, but oh, he he you? said he had a. They were gonna paint his house today. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so Dallin, he, don't stand up your friends. Yeah, don't. The, especially on. working out like the, on, at the gym. Yeah. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I'm I'm glad you're doing that because uh, it, it you're only gonna get busier. Like yeah. So people understand that it's not that you don't want to be doing hair all the time. You right. know, like with your clients because I'm, I'm pretty sure you would love to be there. Yeah. All the time, but when you have a business, it other things have to come, become priority. Yeah. In order for this business to keep going. Yeah. You have to have balance, you know, and when I spend too much time behind the chair, then other things start slipping, mm -hmm. you know, but, and then you got to get less stressed because that's the, that, yeah. that was my biggest thing. Uh, so I have Heather helping right, right now. And, uh, I always like book my days, like jam packed, like yeah. with stuff to do. I'm stressing about this, that, that, and it, it's not good for you, you no. know, like all that stress. And so I've been like, de-stressing a lot of like not booking myself as much because before if you hit me up like hey like let's do this i'm like let's do it let's do it even though i know in my head i'm like dude you're already busy like what are you doing yeah you don't have time for this yeah, yeah. you don't have time with this and but you're telling people yes and i'm like yeah let's do it let's do it but now yeah. i'm more like i would love to but i gotta finish this you yeah. know you know sorry you know you should have let me know ahead of time so right but yeah you gotta say no sometimes it's hard it's it hard. Is hard especially like in in the your clients and stuff yeah. like it when you build that connection with them it's it's yeah, going to be like, hard i'm going to help you I'm yeah. gonna, i'll get you in i miss you i'm sorry yeah but yeah i want to thank you for coming on yeah, and, thanks you know, for having me i, I got to learn a lot about you you know and and actually finally got to meet you yeah cuz it, it's cool i love doing this stuff because i get to learn about people and their journeys to get to where they're at and other people get to hear it yeah. so so like when somebody sees you at your business they know it didn't happen overnight. They, right. they know that you it wasn't funded by somebody and, you know, right. you got lucky. Kudos to you. You know, I, I love seeing people succeed and, and, and continue to grow. So yeah. I'm going to have to stop by one day. Yeah, Check out do. your shop. Yeah, come by. But thank you again for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. And for you guys listening, thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. See you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>